Aren't you glad that his, no, his love never fails and never gives up on us? Very fitting. We're going to spend the next few weeks while I'm here. I'm starting a series today, kind of, I guess you would say, on the life of David. And, boy, that's a great example of somebody God didn't give up on. Thank goodness, right? Even though he made some big boo-boos, didn't he? We're going to talk about some of those boo-boos in this series and how God dealt with him and those kind of things. But I want to start today with a question for you. Would you rather be the most popular, popular person in the world or the smartest person in the world? Think about that for, for a minute. Would you rather be the most popular person in the world or the smartest person in the world. We got one that wants to be the smartest. Raise your hand if you want to be the most popular person in the world. Okay. I don't see a single hand up. There's not a right or wrong answer necessarily. Who would like to be the smartest person in the world? Okay. That makes sense to me. I, I kind of think I would go that way. Well, you, that's right. That's true. With, with wisdom comes sorrow. But also, with wisdom comes a lot of other good things, too. Uh, so, you know, being smart would be interesting. Let's just think about that as we, as we get into this series on David. I've t entitled this series, Lessons of God's Power and Strength uh, from the Life of David. Today's uh, message is... The passage in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Don't turn there. <laughs> Don't turn there. Okay? We're going to learn this story without looking at it from God's Word, okay? Uh, but to give a little background of this story, God had twice expressed regret about making Saul king. So when the, the book of 1 Samuel begins, it begins with a mama praying for a baby, right? Hannah praying for a baby. And God gives her Samuel, and he's born, right? And he's, he's the last judge. You know, we got a book called Judges. Samuel's the last judge and the first prophet, okay? So Samuel's kind of got a dual road. He's made, he's, role. he's making this transition uh, from... The days of the judges, now to this time of prophets that speak on God's behalf. Whereas judges didn't really speak on God's behalf. They kind of just slayed people on God's behalf, didn't they? They did a lot of stuff. And there, were, there weren't just God judges either. There was Deborah and other, you know, there was a lot of cool judges. Thirteen total judges. Uh, was there people like Gideon. Samson, you know, those were some of the judges that are more familiar to us. And then we have this, this place where Samuel, he is transitioned into one who speaks for God, a man of God. And the people tell Samuel, the prophet, we want a king, right? Well, God offers to choose a king do the people want to do what God wants to do they want to choose a king for themselves 
So they choose the tallest, the most handsome, the best warrior of the time to be their king. A man named Saul, right? Was Saul a good king? No, he was really bad. He was really bad. It just shows you sometimes what the majority wants isn't always what's best for everybody, is it? And so in this case, King Saul becomes king, and twice God tells Samuel how much he regrets allowing Saul to become the king of Israel, and he makes it clear that another king is coming. And this is how God describes this king that's going to come. The first time in 1 Samuel chapter 13, he says, This king is going to be a man after my own heart. This, this king that I choose is going to be a man after my own heart. So during the course of his life, David would demonstrate great faith and defeat, as we'll see next week, a giant. He would flee for his life for years. He would gather a group of mighty men around him, and he would show respect for God's people and purposes. He would unite Israel's tribes under his reign. He would worship wildly. He would write many psalms and many prayers, and he would conquer many enemies. Even to this day, the time David was king of Israel is seen as one of the greatest kingdoms that's ever existed on the earth. But he would also demonstrate his human nature, some real serious sins and character flaws, but his heart always turned back to God. And he became an example of what it means to love God wholeheartedly and how that love affects every area of our lives. Do you know your ultimate purpose in life? Think about that. Do you know your ultimate purpose in life? Do you know the reason you were created? Why are you here? Why are we here? That's a good question to ask and come to grips with. Sometimes it's not always fun to think about that, is it? Not many people really do know the answer to that question. Why am I here? Why was I created? Some think it's to accomplish a certain goal or a mission. Others believe it's to develop godly character or to be a good example. But God has a purpose that's so much greater than any of us could ever imagine. That means God has a plan for you, specifically you. As you listen to the story I'm about to tell, notice how David embodies this purpose. Listen carefully for the answers to these two questions. How does God look at us? And how is it different from how we look at one another? Think about that. How does God look at us? And how is it different from how we look at one another? This is the story from God's Word. But before we tell it, 
Let's say a little prayer together. Heavenly Father, this time now as we learn this story from your word, we ask you to teach us something as we learn this Bible story that will help us this week, that will help draw us closer to you, to help us be more understanding of how we can walk with you every single day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Samuel the prophet had grieved and grieved and kept thinking and thinking about how God had rejected Saul as king. It just really upset Samuel that God never would accept Saul as the king of Israel. And the Lord said to Samuel, Stop whining and crying about Saul. Take some anointing oil and go to the home of Jesse. Jesse lives in Bethlehem. I want you to go to Bethlehem with this anointing oil. I've selected one of his sons to become the king of Israel. And Samuel says, Lord, if I do that, Saul's going to kill me if he finds out about this. And so the Lord said to Samuel, what you need to do is when you go to Bethlehem, you take a calf with you. And you say that you're coming to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse and his sons to invite you. And I'll show you which one to anoint. So Samuel did just as God told him. He went to Bethlehem. He took some anointing oil. He got a calf. And he invited Jesse and his sons to join him in sacrificing to the Lord. And when they came, Samuel was immediately impressed with Jesse's oldest son, Seven sons showed up. The first one, the oldest one, man, he was tall. He was good looking. God said, Samuel, he ain't the one. He's not the one. Because see, people look, God says this to Samuel, people look at the outward appearance, the outward appearance. But not me. Samuel, I look at the heart. So Samuel said, he's not the one. They brought another son. God, same thing. He's not the one. They brought another son. He's not the one. Went through those seven sons that Jesse brought. And every single one of them, God said, he's not the one. And Samuel said to Jesse, are you, are, is this all of your sons? Is there not another son? Oh, there's the youngest son, the runt. He's out in the pasture watching the sheep. Right? Samuel said, you're going to get him right now. I'm not going to eat with you. And I'm not leaving until I meet this son. And so Jesse sends for the youngest son. His name is David. And David arrives. And as soon as David walks in the room, Samuel could see he was a striking young man. Healthy, handsome. And the Lord said, he's the one. So get up and anoint him, Samuel. So Samuel anointed David with oil. And after that, the Spirit of God departed from King Saul. God's Spirit left King Saul at that moment and came upon David in a mighty way. 
From that day on, King Saul was tormented with depression. His servants had an idea. They said, let us find someone who's good at playing the harp. And maybe the music will cheer up King Saul when he becomes depressed. And Saul agreed. I think that's probably a good idea. So one of his servants said, I've heard of a young man who's very skilled at playing the harp. He's a son of Jesse in Bethlehem. Send for him, Saul says. In addition to being good on the harp, he's a good fighter. And he has the, the ability to talk well in front of people. And he's also a man who walks with God. Saul sent for David. He was immediately impressed with David. And he made David Saul's arm bearer, his armor bearer. He was the one that would tote around Saul's swords and shields and his armor but he also played the harp every time the king would get depressed and the sound of the harp soothed the king's spirit and brought him peace let's go through the story one more time because i want us to really learn it samuel just kept bugging god well god why won't you approve of saul as our king He'd whine, he'd cry to God about it. And finally, God said, I'm tired of this, Samuel. We're going to take care of this. What we're going to do, I have someone that I want to be king. You're going to get some anointing oil, and we're going to anoint someone king. Samuel said, I can't do that. King Saul will kill me if he finds out. He says, all right. What you're going to do, you're going to go to Jesse, who lives in Bethlehem. You're going to take a calf, and you're going to invite him to worship with you. And you're going to get all of his sons, and I'll tell you which son is his. And so Samuel does exactly as God tells him, brings a calf, brings some anointing oil, goes up to Jesse in Bethlehem, and he brings all of his sons. Well, not all of them, just seven that first time, right? And the first son's tall and handsome and good-looking. God says to Samuel, no, he's not the one. All seven of those that Jesse brings, God says, nope, they're not the one. And then Samuel says to Jesse, are you sure that's all of your sons? Well, there's the runt, the youngest one. He's out in the pasture watching the sheep. Bring him. I'm not leaving until... I have met with him. I'm not going to eat with you and leave until I've met this son. They send for this son. He shows up. It's David. He's, he's a healthy young man too, good looking, very skilled. And God immediately says to Samuel, he's the one, anoint him. And Samuel anoints David at that moment to be the king of Israel. Then... Saul has these depressions, right? Has these depressions. And some one of his servants has an idea. Maybe we'll get someone that's good at playing music, plays the harp. Someone says, I've heard of this, I've heard of this son of Jesse in Bethlehem that plays the harp real well. So they send for David, bring him to the king Saul to meet him. They're all very impressed with David. He 
plays the harp well. He speaks very well. He's a great warrior. And most importantly, he walks with God. Saul says, he'll do great. And every time Saul gets depressed, David plays the harp and it soothes David as, as he plays. I'm going to ask you to do something very interesting, very different. I want you to find a neighbor, and I want you to retell the story to one another. In your little family or two, just tell it right now. It's going to be a little, we're going to hear a murmur over the room. I want you to retell this story, starting with King Saul. Retell it just for a minute. All right. How are we doing? Let's retell the story together. Y'all help me. What's the first, what's kind of the first thing that happens? Samuel's whining about what? Because God won't approve Saul as king of Israel. God just never bought into Saul being the king of Israel. What happens next in the story? What's that? Goes to Bethlehem. Goes to Bethlehem. To meet who? Jesse. God tells him to do that, doesn't he? What, is, what does God tell him to bring when he goes to Bethlehem to meet Jesse? Some anointing oil and a calf, right? Because, if, because what Samuel says, I can't do that or who will kill me? That's right, if he finds out. And so they get to Bethlehem, Samuel does with the anointing oil and with the calf. And Jesse brings how many sons to meet Samuel? Seven sons. But that wasn't all of them, were they? What's the next, the first son? What happens when Samuel meets the first son? He's a good-looking fella, isn't he? He's tall, but he ain't the one. And the second time I told the story, I left this part out. This is really important, though, isn't it? What God tells Samuel, the reason he's not the one is, see, people look at the outward appearance, but I look at the, at the heart, okay? What about the second son? Not the one. All seven of those, they weren't the one, were they? And then Samuel asked Jesse, what? Is there not another son? And what does Jesse, how does he respond? Yeah, the runt, the youngest one. He's out in the pasture watching the sheep, right? Y'all know about sheep, shepherds. 
That's kind of the nastiest job you can have, isn't it? That's what David was doing. They sent for him. And what happened? God told Samuel, he's the one. What kind of, what kind of young man was David? Was he ugly? Was he, was he puny? No, he's, he's, he's healthy and good looking, wasn't he? And then what happens after, after Samuel anoints David to be the next king of Israel, what happens in Saul? Saul is struggling with this depression stuff, isn't he? What does his servant suggest that he do? Find somebody and play some music for you. And someone knows somebody, just happens to know someone who plays the harp really well that's a son of David, I mean a son of Jesse, who is David. And what do we learn about David? What is he, how does he describe David? He does what? He plays the harp well. He, he's good looking. He speaks well. And most importantly, he, he walks with God. Okay? And so Saul ends up making David his arm, armor bearer and uh, playing the harp when he has this depression. And it does soothe uh, Saul's spirit. Now, when David, one thing we left out, a little out of order here, but that's all right. When, when Samuel anointed David with oil to be the king of Israel, what happened to Saul? God's spirit left Saul, and it went on David, didn't it? And so that's a real important image for us uh, as we learn about this. Remember those two questions that I asked you uh, at the beginning? How does God look at us? If you, if you have the little printout in your, in your bulletin today, on the back side of the announcements there, some life lessons. That first point kind of answers that first question of how does God look at us? And if you want to fill in the blanks there, God doesn't judge as people judge. God doesn't judge as people. Aren't you? Thank, that's something we can say, praise the Lord, right? <laughs> thank goodness God doesn't judge me the way other people see me, right? Because they see all my faults. And they might see things that look better, and I really am too sometimes, right? So thank goodness God doesn't judge as other people judge. People can judge wrongly when they look at outward appearances. But God sees our heart. He sees your heart. That second point there, God's servant who is empowered by the Spirit of God has the capacity to do anything that God desires. You know, a lot of people, a lot of scholars, Old Testament scholars believe that David was maybe only about 14 or 15 when Samuel anointed him to be the king of Israel. And what we don't realize, because, you know, the action in Samuel happens pretty quickly. By the end of the book, David has really become the king. But from the time Samuel anoints David till he actually becomes king, we think that's at least 10 years, maybe more like 12 to 15 years down the road. 
That's a long time, isn't it, to stay faithful to God, knowing that he's promised you you're going to be the king, right? He's been anointed and all this, and then we're going to see later on, it ain't easy. David's running for his life for 10 years. Saul trying to kill him, you know, very difficult. David was empowered by the Spirit and could do everything God wanted him to do. At one time, Saul was empowered by the Spirit of God. Even though he wasn't God's choice, God still allowed him to be the king and, and blessed him in a lot of ways. But Saul disobeyed the Lord on numerous occasions. And later, this evil spirit, this depression stuff, really tormented Saul. The third point, the third thing we can learn, the person who is walking with God is following God's will. If there's anything we get out of this today, the most important thing in life we can do is learn how to walk with God. The person who's walking with God is following God's will. When God and a person are walking together, it's as though they're following two parallel lines, right? God with you. The person who disobeys God leaves God's side of the parallel line and moves in another direction while God continues in the same direction. So it's our job to find out where God is and go with him, right? Wherever God's going, we go with him and everything is going to be okay. God's unmovable. He does not change his direction when a person makes a wrong turn. Saul was chosen by God, by the people, and God then approved it and made him king. And he walked with God, but then began disobeying the Lord's orders. And then God chose David to take Saul's place because David was walking with him. A key verse as we go through these messages about the life of David is found in Psalm 71, verses 17 and 18. This is what David says, and this is, this is after, right after he's become king, many think this psalm was written. David says, God, you have taught me from my youth, and I still proclaim your wonderful works. Even when I am old and gray, God, do not abandon me. Then I will proclaim your power to another generation, your strength to all who are to come. My challenge to you today, walk with God. Seek to obey God and have daily fellowship with Him. How do you do that? He's spoken to us. You may think, well, God, give me a sign. There's a lot of signs already here He's given, isn't it? Learn this, learn this book. It's got a lot of wisdom in it, a lot of good stories and good advice every day. I encourage you to learn to walk with God. Learning of God's power and strength is a lifelong journey. It, it doesn't happen. And see, I talked about how long it would take before David would become king. You think that's by accident? God could have just had Saul killed like that. David become king, made it real easy. Why did he allow it to take so long? He's preparing David to be a great leader. And sometimes you've got to go through some bad stuff, don't you? 
before you learn how to really lead and really do the right things in life. Let's bow our heads before we have our hymn of commitment today. God, I pray that all of us will strive to walk with you each and every day of our lives and be committed to you, learn to love your word and have a desire to do your will each and every day. And as we continue to learn more about the life of David, uh, use these lessons and these stories to help us learn to walk with you and be closer to you so that we can be a light for you in this world. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.